Hey listeners, it's Alex, your host of EOA, Entrepreneurs of Asia, a show where we profile and highlight the lessons learned from founders, investors, and entrepreneurs impacting the Asia startup ecosystem. This week's episode is part one of two, and the flavor will be a little bit different. It'll be more narrative-driven and will force you to read in between the lines to learn the lessons. In part one, I chat with my new friends, Zihan Zahari and her husband, Chef Chun Bun Chai, founders of Copper Restaurant. One of my goals of EOA is to cover broadly all forms of entrepreneurship, to get a diverse set of learnings, and to see where the lessons overlapped in contrast, whether it be in F&B, food manufacturing, insurance, car rentals, or big e-commerce. We can learn a lot by getting outside our comfort zone and formats that we are used to. Copper Restaurant was a successfully run modern European restaurant, tucked away in the heart of KL, hidden in an office building. However, they were able to build a cult following and enjoyed growth of 20% year over year. In part one, some of the more exciting topics we cover is how a husband and wife partnership can work, how values act as a powerful filter to define career and decisions, and how it's possible to run a risky venture and raise a family at the same time. We will learn more about the background stories of Zihan and Chai, and a bit about the food history and culture from Switzerland to Shanghai, Kuala Lumpur, and Singapore. Part 2 definitely goes deeper into the world of Michelin star restaurants, along with some crazy stories you don't want to miss. And along with broader themes of the current state of the food industry and how copper founders were forced to innovate in trying times when they had to close down for now due to the pandemic. So let's dive right into part 1. Hello, Chai and Zihan. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Thank you you for having us. Yes. How are you guys doing today? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Just as tired as Chai, very a little bit stressed. <laughs> um, so this is the first time I'm actually doing a three-person podcast, oh. and I thought it was nice because you guys are partners in business and in life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we had you know Amy Cheng, the co-founder of Amazing Grace, and her partner too, um, Andrew G. On two separate episodes, but I didn't kind of film together. But you guys actually work together, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for Chai, right, you first started your career at DCT University Center. Yeah, that's right. Um, I wouldn't say I started my career. I started my... Sorry, uh, training. My training. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. uh, first school, yeah, professional school experience there. I learned my basics. Yeah. I learned... I, mainly built my networking there network there okay yeah. and that was later turned in it was acquired and turned into culinary arts academy right um yes right yes. now it's i think swiss culinary academy swiss, okay i'm not too sure now um yeah. they changed twice they changed twice yeah. okay and then you did your training at zurich during schooling right yeah. uh then eventually you go to traders hotel back in kl right that's right which was gobo chit chat gobo lounge grill and semi which was semi-fine dining yeah that's right yeah. Uh, then you somehow sh- you know hopped to Shanghai. Uh, looked like a consulting gig for Giorgio Cafe. Yeah, I did that for a while. Yeah. Um, actually, what uh, what's not um, written or what's not updated in the internet, which you can't can't <laughs> research me on or stop me is actually um, I I've actually my first fine dining experience was actually in. Joao Robuchon a Galera. Ah, that's so not online. That's in Macau. Macau. And, oh, in Macau. And I didn't know who Joao Robuchon was back then, but it was just this maitre d' in an Italian once Michelin star restaurant, I think. Yeah. Or just a, a really good Italian restaurant recommended us to go there. Mm. And, and we just said, okay, went there. And it blew my mind. I, I From that day onward, I knew what perfection is. Mm. And, 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 and I, I came back to Malaysia. 
quit his job. I quit my job. <laughs> That's an amazing story. <laughs> Literally. I, after that meal, I quit my job in yeah. Malaysia, flew back there, back for a job, couldn't get it, fly to Shanghai, <laughs> did oh. a consulting gig for a bit, worked with, uh, with a French bistro for a bit, while well, I learned French. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, an interesting thing, like Macau, they have a very interesting culinary scene, right? Yeah. Very good food mixed with Portuguese, mixed with European flavors. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Macau is very nice. Yes, I think Portugal has quite a fair bit to offer. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was in Portugal, I think maybe two years ago. Very nice experience. Great food as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so then eventually you get to Abac in yeah. Barcelona. And, uh, I was thinking that was a short little stint. And then you jump to Ud Slaus. Yeah. Outslaus. Outslaus. Yeah. Outslaus. Yeah. Outslaus, right? That's Netherlands. Yeah. Uh, so then you jump to Singapore, which with, uh, worked with Jason Atherton's uh, two of his restaurants, right? Yeah. Uh, which was Esquina, yeah. Best Bar, and then uh, Pollen. Yeah. And of course, eventually, then you start Copper. Yes. Yes. Right? And then for Zihan, uh, you started your journey in training, uh, culinary arts diploma, in Euro- European culinary management and culinary management in Switzerland in the same school, right? Yeah. Uh, and then from there, your path diverged, and then you decide to uh, do a bachelor's in economics and Chinese studies in University of Sydney. That's right. Yeah. So you, you as you left Europe, wanted to go somewhere sunny, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I decided that um, I wanted a family, mm. and that's why I switched. Mm-hmm, mm. mm-hmm. And then eventually you do your MBA. Yes, I did. And then you had a, well, later we'll, we'll dive into it, you had an interesting story of journeying around a bit, I guess. Yes. And you guys were swapping countries, right? Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. were swapping countries. Okay, so you guys have been working with each other for more than six years now, right? Yes. So mo- most people say husband and wives cannot work together. Is this true? Why Why not? It, it's half true, I think. Yeah, it's half true. I Sometimes mean, you want to strangle each other. Yeah. But, but I guess you do that in marriage too. So yes, exactly. that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So... Um, what what is the challenges then? Like why, how if you strangle each other at work, how do you come home and then have a peaceful household? It's very difficult, I would mm. say. I mean, the the lines are very very blurred. Um, but then again, I think we we both know what um, uh, more than our work. I think the love part is is stronger than that. Mm. Um, I mean, if we could survive seven and a half years long distance relationship, mm-hmm. um, you know, work is just just a piece of the entire puzzle, and um, we somehow made it work. Yeah. yeah. Well, for for me, um, for me, I, I view success very differently. Mm. I I believe I achieve success or half of my success way earlier than others. And uh, the reason for it is because I'm not monetary. Mm. If I, I was aiming monetary, I probably wouldn't be a chef. Um, and for me, success came for me firstly in happiness, a household, a partner. Mm. And that's for me most important. Mm-hmm. And, I, and for me, I found that in Zihan. So, mm-hmm. so for me, I, success is for me that. And for me, restaurant businesses can fail mm. anything can fail but as long as the relationship is, is there and i think that's that's what keeps me going so essentially you keep it real you keep it at top of mind that you know this what's what's most valuable most most important mm. yeah, so i guess if you're having a work conflict that's work but yeah. that's separate from home life and what really matters yeah i think that's really important because a lot of people uh they go into the mindset thinking like oh i can't work with my close friend or can't work can't work with my husband or, or wife but apparently it's it's possible i think it's just more challenging because you actually have to approach 
tougher situations and really get to know someone, right? And I guess yeah. that's, that is marriage. But like, say, say it's a close friend. Sometimes people don't want to enter that territory and it makes it hard, which to me, I guess, uh, prevents you growing as a, a leader, yeah. maybe as a good communicator and picking up skills that are necessary. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, I also think like for us in many ways, our, um, our roles are very defined, mm. except for a few things, maybe like HR is a bit blurred, but in general, the things that I can do, he can't do, the things that he can do, I can't do. So it's, it makes it easier when mm-hmm. we're doing work together. Um, yeah. So I guess good advice would be that if you do have a close relationship, be a friend, partner, whatever, make sure the roles are probably defined. Yeah, you right? have to. Yeah, you have to define that. Yeah. And did you guys explicitly say that when you first started working together, or how was that? How did that come about? To be honest, we just plunged in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, for me, there's no better partner than her. So if so, I and she feel it feels in for those parts that. I'm not great at. Mm. Um, she she thinks she, I don't like marketing. She likes that mm. part. She likes numbers, so mm. she analyzes the business. Mm. And she help us lip, and I'm a bit more traditional. Um, uh, and a traditional guy living in the 21st century is no no good. So, so <laughs> that's yeah. not true. Right? I, would, I would disagree. Yeah, I disagree too. Yeah. There's a need but, for you know old soul and traditional. Yeah. Yeah. There's some charm there. You yeah. Know? yeah. yeah. Um, so you guys, what what is the most critical thing then to make it work? Most for, critical for for a partnership communication. Like communication. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 easier said than done. Yeah, uh, we have our arguments, and we we don't have to go into that 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 that. <laughs> yeah, we probably would strangle each other here, but <laughs> but but that being said, yeah. uh, communication is very important. I mean, you set a business, no matter what. There's no such thing as 50-50%. Yeah. There's no one-to-one. There must be someone that's at a 51% that can override you. Mm. So so while, while in most cases, uh, if it comes down to law or, 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 or um, any... Bureaucracies, bureaucracies or like pol- policies and things like that. It's, 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 she, all, she's, him, she's, yeah. it's all her. But yeah. if it comes to food and like creativity, it's all him. So... Mm. We sort yeah. of know that and I guess that's one of the benefits of the restaurant business, right? I think is, is it. It's probably I don't know. You guys tell me. Is it probably rare to have both skills to be very business savvy and be amazing in the kitchen? Yeah, it's quite not to say it's quite rare. What it's not. You don't see that frequent. Yeah, you don't see that frequent. Yeah, yeah, because when when you're in, if you're cooking at a certain level, yes. you put your heart and soul into that 18 hours, 20 hours a day. Mm. And most people who is in a Michelin star restaurant, they do that for years. Some of them do that for 15, 20, yes. 25 years. Yes. And and I've seen a documentary of my old chef where my old chef who, who ran a three-star restaurant in Netherlands and... Sergio Hama. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's called Fucking Perfect. That, <laughs> okay, that, but uh, Fucking Perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. that uh, his biography video okay. documentary. Yeah. It was It's called Fucking Perfect. And you can see his, up, his ups and downs. Yes. He, he yes. tells you about uh, how he poured in his life and soul mm. into it and yeah. and he lost his families and friends. Mm. He, okay. Yeah. yeah. He's in a good good position now. But yeah. he went through that twenty five years. So. Yeah, they don't tell you that, right? They don't you tell know. you that. Yeah. You don't see it. You just see the glamour. You yeah. see the yes. prestige of having a star. Yes. And, yeah. But they don't know the pain and suffering that probably went into it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you talk about um, like what you asked earlier, um, uh, it's it's a hard, it's a tough 
uh, position to be in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think... Uh, you communicate. Communicate. Yeah, communicate. Yeah. I, it, it actually bridges a lot of things, you know, um, from your any disputes any decision making all of that like it just you really need to talk about it and mm-hmm. like not keep it in your heart and just like you know mm-hmm. quiet and go to a corner that really affects the business if we come to that point and affects the staff too right it does they it can does. see and they can feel it yeah. yeah yeah absolutely you guys also have a four or five year old daughter right yes i see yeah. alice chai aisha elise. aisha okay yeah and then also a newborn uh, sophia yeah. Yeah, Ila Sophia. Yes. Uh, how, how do you manage to run a business, be creative, and raise a family? There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we have my, good support. Yeah, well, we have, we have really good support. support. That's yeah. our one. Uh, my in-laws are amazing. My family, yeah, family. Uh, are amazing as well. Uh, they they know what we're into, what we got ourselves into, yeah. for better or worse. So yeah. our first child literally stayed, lived with us, every, went to work with us, went back home with us yeah. and in between he actually went to the play school she, just one yeah, she went to play, play school one level down yeah, yeah. 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 I, I wanted a child yeah. I was a son but yeah. you know yeah. life hits me with a girl so okay yeah. took it yeah. so uh, I mean so that means you had your first child when you started the business yes um, one year in not 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 oh. even like during the first year uh, she came along um, 2020 well 2015 I was I got pregnant with her so 2016 she 2016. came yeah mm. so one year into the business one and a half yeah. yeah so she grew up for two years in, in the restaurant yeah. uh, she spent most of her time in the play school one level down and yeah. at six o'clock we could pick her up so she by the time she knew, she knew how to speak she knew how to order her food. Mm, she yeah. knew how to greet people and disturb. Wow. Growing up in the business. <laughs> yeah. well, her first, her first, um, uh, her first meet uh, was actually Wagyu. Wagyu, yes. I read that online. Yeah. <laughs> You're proud of that, right? Well, <laughs> she, kinda, yes. Kind of, But I know I'm going to regret this. I'm like, Expensive good luck, child. future husband. Good luck, actually, yeah. good luck, father first. Mm. <laughs> So what what, are, what is the biggest challenge then in, in having a family and a business? Time. Time is just, you know, you just feel like there's not enough time for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids, they just grow. They grow so fast. Like right now, she's she's talking like a teenager. Oh, wow. So fast already. <laughs> yeah. And she's, okay. she's only four, but she uses big words, I guess, because we don't speak. She, we don't baby speak her. So she speaks mm-hmm. like an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I just feel like, you know, uh, if we don't set aside time for them, we'll really miss out. Yeah. yeah. So, so being present is really key, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially with the second one now growing up as well, right? Yeah, so yeah. for us right now with the closure of Copper, um, uh, we are, we're still super busy. I am super busy. Um, yeah. uh, but I think uh, my focus next is probably spend a bit more time with, with family. I mean, yeah, yeah. we need to strategize on that one. Maybe take a break. Maybe focus on what's important. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Your fun. Your grounding. Um, and you guys met in two thousand five, right? Yes, we so, did. So it was about fifteen years ago. That's right. How did that happen? 
school. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was in my final semester. He came back to finish his final semester, mm-hmm. and um, two months before that, we actually met and sort of became friends. I actually tutored him um, manual engineering on Excel. <laughs> How do you Excel? It started. That way, and then after that, it was just chatting online because our time was was like when I was in kitchen, he was in management class. Mm-hmm. When I was in management class, he was in kitchen. So we we started off with a, an online relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so did you really know how to use Excel, or were you just lying to her because you wanted her to hear you? No, I, I still <laughs> I still hate Excel. But still hate Excel. <laughs> okay, so that yeah. was real. Yeah, that, that was, was real. real. It's <laughs> still is real. <laughs> And you guys met in 2005 and you got together in 2005. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you've been together for 15 years. Yes. Okay, Chai, so before culinary school, you wanted to be a designer. Where did that idea come from? Well, well it's quite straightforward. My family was, uh, my family, my family is in that kind of sort of business, right? Mm-hmm. So my dad was an interior designer, my late father. Um, he did the uh, Adun. Uh, Dewan Undangan Negeri for Malaysia, uh, Sarawak twice, oh, okay. the old and new, and he designed a summer palace for one of the princess, I think, wow, okay. in uh, Brunei. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did quite a fair bit of big projects, uh, and I'm, I was always impressed with what he did, mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to com- continue the family line, and wanted to di- uh, dive, uh, divest into actually architecture, mm-hmm. but, uh, but at the end, my dad sort of and we had a discussion and I decided to actually diversify from the family business why, why is that? Um, well with every business there are hard, there are the ups and downs with it yeah. so 2008 uh, to three, 1998 hit the family a bit uh, bad financially and my dad literally at one point early 2000s literally picked up his bike and went to China. went to Shanghai <laughs> with two wow. staff, and then he grew the business to like I think 18, 20 staff. Wow! Um, and yeah, and he and he, he did quite well for himself, but mm-hmm. he had to make that decision. And yeah. throughout that period, he, uh, he learned the lesson where where when where if you need to be um, if you're hungry for more and there's nothing around mm-hmm. around or surrounding you, you just have pack your bags and leave okay. and and he saw that hard, hardship and and he didn't want me to go through it i mean the father's ah, love right okay. so so while well, and he take and we, we we all agreed that well i i personally believe that's what he wants uh he wants us to diversify mm-hmm. and uh, not just be in that family trait how did you land on food then in that discussion land on food uh, land land on food land on food oh, okay well I, I left my hometown at 15. So I, I came hometown? to... Yeah, no, oh, Kuching. Kuching, okay. Yeah. So, I, so Sarawak, Borneo Island, right? Yeah. So there's not much to be to be offered there. Mm. So I decided to leave at a very young age because I saw a lot of young boys, friends and whatnot. They were all into... Uh, um, gangsterism. Gangsterism. Oh, really? In Sarawak? Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. And whatnot. And I didn't, I didn't quite like the atmosphere. Mm. Uh, and so, okay. And... I made the decision to come to KL um, and I spent 16 and my 17 and part of my 18 years old here. Um, met a couple of good friends here. Uh, and from here, from here, I actually um, decided to 
Food. Yeah, yeah, food, food. Yeah. How did how yeah. you learn about food? Yeah, how did you learn? So, so, how, so when I came here, I was partying a lot, right? Mm, partying. Yeah, partying a lot. Party guy. Yeah, I mean, I, mean yep. I was independent. <laughs> I wanted to leave that underworld yeah. society where I was c- coming from. And and I came here, met a few friends, independent, 16-year-old boy, what do you do, right? Mm. Party, meet mm. friends, and drink, and whatnot. Yeah. My, my, my father, thank God my father's not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, and I and it always hit me that uh, I wanted to have an F&B business. No, if, if I was to continue my, my family business, I would always want to have an F&B empire. Mm. On the side, so so oh, okay. so I would like to have my clubs, my mm. my um, restaurants, restaurants bars, um, snookerium or whatever you call them. So, so this came from partying, basically. This. Basically, so you, and, and don't yeah. get me wrong, I, I still want to have, have a food empire. I still want to have that, and um, but because dad had had two things, he got he had the interior designing side, but he's also got like some hotel. Oh, and hotel as well. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. So, so he went like um, our older brother was into interior design. He's into interior mm. design. He's basically taken over Coming that business. stuff. Mm. Um, and he was thinking of taking the other yeah. end of it. So, so yeah. I represent my late father in in a board for um, residence. Yeah. Uh, hot, uh, it's a hotel management mm-hmm. company. So mm. they manage properties around um, and. And Bank Negara is one of them, mm-hmm. uh, and a few other locations around, and Bali as well. So essentially, it's an extension of family business to a degree, and diversifying the business. So it's yeah. it's very business oriented decisions, and along the way, the the, the the parting, it all it all fits into this grander vision, right? Well, it's a nice way to put it, yeah. but it's a, but it's a, it's a mostly a child's dream. <laughs> yeah. but I think yes, it was on, I mean, on maybe, hindsight. You can yeah. you can see it that way. I yeah. mean, yeah. you know. But at that point of time, probably he's like, no, you know what? I'm gonna have the bar. Gonna have this. Yeah. Gonna have that. Yeah. 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 But but I mean, it, I, you know, it's it's piecing a narrative together. But in reality, it's something as you mature, it, it can become a, a real reality too. Though. No, definitely, right? definitely. Yeah. You play yeah. to your advantage. You yeah. play to what your environment offers you and I think that's what I do best in in life yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so two things um, your father just jumped to Shanghai randomly and you just jumped to KL randomly. Where, where does this come from um well I think I have always been an independent guy I always want my alone time yeah even when I'm with my Living partner, yes. I always want my alone time. Yeah, and it, and it's just a time for me to, um, uh, to focus on other things. If if I just want the time to relax, I can do that. Yeah. If I want to just read or 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 just have no disturbance, and that's how I chill, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and that that's just me. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to travel the world and that's why also food fit into the bill mm-hmm. that's probably one of the 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 
the main street, criteria main ca- criteria mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. that I want to travel well, I want I don't want to be locked down into mm-hmm. uh, an office job yeah. surrounded by four walls yeah. and, uh, and and that's pretty and much it is basically a skill that you could take wherever yeah. and still yeah. you know still apply it yeah and that's I mean I guess you were pretty young coming to that realization I think because most people probably don't have such a very strong conviction at a young age right mm, well f- for me I at the young age, I always want, knew what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, from a very, very young age, I knew I wanted a partner a happy, and a happy family. Mm-hmm. But I didn't grow up in the best of, uh, of uh, family atmosphere, you can okay. put it that way. Yeah. And, and that's also partly the reason why I decided at the age of 15 that I wanted to get out of mm-hmm. that atmosphere and I wanted to be on my own and search through yeah. the world uh, and find my own happiness, mm-hmm. my own um, place in this world. Yeah. And 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 I am, and I've always been a deep thinker in a certain aspect. Mm. And independence is something that I always wanted and yeah. traveling the world is what I wanted and it just all coincide together when my dad asked me that same, that question, it's like me facing you right now and you be, being my dad asking me yeah. if there was another job in the world besides this the, our family business, what would you want to do? Mm-hmm. And and when I said it, that sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. I never looked back. I used to draw very well, yeah. decently well, and now I, I can't even draw anymore. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't use it, you lose it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. I think that's interesting because essentially by knowing what you want, it acts as a powerful filter. When things come your way, you know if you say yes or no because it either fits in it or not. And I was very similar. You know, I was quite a deep thinker and I also knew that at least for me, it was you know if I could provide more than what my father provided me. And that was a very simple filter to say no to. So, and it helps shape your life and push you to, yeah. to you know, I guess, yeah. iterating what you want to do next. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you, Zihan, um, what was your dreams before you went to Switzerland? Uh... Honestly, I I didn't have much dream except that I knew I wanted a family. Okay. Uh, I from very young, I think my parents were very busy. I probably saw them like once a week for dinner. Wow. And um and they did they were doing that. I mean, my parents are amazing. Um, they did what they needed to do to yeah. build a family, of and I understood that. At the same time. I decided very early on that whatever I do in life, I have to make sure I have time for my family. Mm-hmm. And I made that decision even before I was 14. Wow. Yeah. I, I wanted to be there for whoever I got married or if I have kids, I want to be there for them. Yeah. So my decisions have always been around all these values Mm -hmm. um it's not so much of okay i want to be in a corporate world or i wanted to do this or that it came later on like as i started going to uni and you know explore more things and i said okay well i'm interested in data um i'm interested in this and that Mm -hmm. and and it, it sort of builds upon uh, whatever that I went through as opposed to okay I definitely want to be a businesswoman it, it's, it was never that yeah. in fact I never wanted to be an entrepreneur I never wanted to have my own business yeah. because you have your own business you don't have time for yourself <laughs> yeah. you don't have time for a family you don't have time for anything you can't even go on holiday your yeah. mind is constantly working but 
the other thing that I also made really, really um, strong prayers for was basically to do something that is halal Islamically, meaning that I I didn't want to do anything to do with alcohol or I didn't want to um, be dealing with, you know, men one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, again, it goes back to my values. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so th- that's why in the end, when the opportunity to open copper came, I just accepted it as mm-hmm. it was, even though it wasn't something that I originally wanted. Mm-hmm. But I learned a lot through copper as well. I learned that uh, I'm okay doing back-end work. I actually enjoy looking at you know strategic management stuff, and that's where I'm headed to. Mm-hmm. So he he does all the creativity mm. stuff outside creative work, and then I just look at numbers and manage strategically, and it it falls together. You know, a great partnership. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the yeah. end, we, um, we have to make it work as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of it's only two of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. The exactly. business is it's, us, it's, right? It's, it's, the marketing it's, is us. Life or death. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We wear different caps yeah. Yeah. all the yeah. time. Yeah. Good combat top. Yeah. So, so basically, these things in your childhood were kind of powerful motivators, things that were either missing, they shaped your values, yes. and that really helped translate to kind of your philosophy and your vision of what you do today, Yeah. right? Okay, so why, why did you guys choose Switzerland then, and how did you guys get into culinary school? Ooh. <laughs> For um, me, it's quite simple. Um, back then, in uh, in 2000s, uh, Swiss culinary and hotel management was still one of the one of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about now anymore because competition has been very very stiff. Yeah. Uh, From st- other European well, countries, other European countries, yeah. and I mean, uh, yeah. I, even I think America, even America, yeah. America. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you look, talk about Japan, Japan's Japan. hospitality Japan. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. India's hospitality is really amazing, mm-hmm. yeah. and and a simple thing as a simple country as uh, uh, as uh, or a developing country and like Thailand and Indonesia, because they invest so much in tourism. They're already better than a lot of countries. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so, so competition has been been very, very uh, stiff, stiff for for yeah. the, for hotel past, management. Yeah, especially the past ten years. Past, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and yeah. we we and back then, two thousand five, internet was not what it yes, is today. Correct. Yes, correct. it wasn't. The yeah. information back then, the only thing I saw online was Gordon Ramsay <laughs> kissing with yes. his F word every Health five kitchen. seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the one thing that also brought us together. Brought us together. We were watching ah, that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That and Naruto. Nice. Yeah, and Naruto. yeah, pretty much. Very nice. And yeah, so so now in terms of hospitality and or any given industry, information is so much Faster, easier accessible. For, yeah. for you to assess. Yeah. So therefore the quality of industries to industries has been um, matching up it's almost like a level plane now yeah pretty yeah. much so so like if you're in, say if you were starting now there's so much more options and so much more information that you can make different choices and different paths yeah in fact you can yeah. just like cherry pick okay this next few months I want to go learn sushi so I fly to mm. Japan to learn sushi yeah. and then I want to learn patisserie go to yeah. France yeah, you know, even certificates online now yeah. where yeah. you can just pay money and then just yeah. learn it online and yeah yeah. Now, things are very different now. Yeah. yeah. So back then, culinary DCT in uh, Switzerland, that was uh, no brainer. Yeah. No brainer. It was the best. Yeah. 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 And, and for you, Zian? 
for me, I was uh, <laughs> I was bullied quite badly in school, mm-hmm. so I wanted to go to a place that didn't have. Malaysians. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you found one. <laughs> but I found one. Um, yeah. Truthfully, that was it. Okay. Um, but that could have been anything. Though. It could have been Australia. It could have, been... it could have but I went through um, all the education fairs and whatnot, and uh, somehow I got attracted Just to, to Switzerland, to Switzerland somehow. Okay. And then I decided to tell my parents, like, you know, cooking is a good skill. <laughs> you should okay. send me to learn cooking. <laughs> yeah, my parents weren't too convinced. Yeah, but, but you went anyway. So. Went anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It took like almost a year of convincing. Yeah. yeah, but essentially it was an escape. It kind of just came on your radar, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna do cooking. Yeah, yeah, some, something like that. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Um, what was the application like? Do you actually have to cook to get in, or no? You, you just you, to be. You just have to have. Um, you just have to be 18 yeah. Th- there was a prerequisite okay. for me at least and of course you need to have a certain amount of education you yeah. don't have to be I wasn't 18 I know, I know. <laughs> okay yeah but most most of them okay yeah. but yeah you didn't, there wasn't a prerequisite because it's it's an advanced diploma so basically you go in zero and mm-hmm. they can mold you right they yeah. can teach you okay. from the basics yeah mm-hmm. that was that was what we went through is it true that all the rich kids get sent to Switzerland to study? No. <laughs> Princes said no? No, I didn't, so, so no, I didn't mean any princes. didn't mean any princesses. <laughs> yeah. So that's all a lie then. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lie. That's yeah. a lie, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Don't believe that. Okay. And so then your, your, your path split pretty hard. So Chai, you continue your culinary journey, what we discussed earlier, right? And then Zihan, you go on to study economics and, and Chinese study. Yeah. And later do an MBA. Yeah. Um, so Zihan, what happened in Switzerland that made you want to change your path so hard? Not, it wasn't Switzerland. Um, I actually came back to Malaysia to do my internship and I was working like 12, 15 hours a day and I really enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. it goes back to my values, right? If I wanted to have a family and he was working like 18 hours a yes. day, no one would be at home. And this is during your long distance relationship? Yes, right? yes. Yeah. And so I decided like, okay, this is not working out because if I wanted to have a family, it really how do we make it work if mm-hmm. both of us are working 18, 15, 18 hours a day? Yeah. So I made a conscious decision to change, totally change mm-hmm. from, from you know, I was thinking, okay, maybe a nine to five job could suit me better yeah. in that sense. And okay. so that that's how it came about. In, initially, I started off doing um, Chinese studies and Arabic, uh, but they couldn't quite figure out where I was at in Arabic. I was mm-hmm. better than foreigners but not as good as the first speakers Mm -hmm. so it was very difficult and that's when I switched to economics so why economics? Um, she likes numbers (laughs) I like numbers Mm -hmm. Um, I I think economics is very interesting you see like the bigger picture in things Mm -hmm. and you train your mind to see it that way as well Uh, so yeah went to economics I'm really bad at microeconomics but macro I'm yeah, all right. Okay, I can do it better macroeconomics. And then uh, when I came back, my parents said, like, what are you going to do with your degree? And I tried to apply for jobs, but it was, I, I think people didn't understand what I was doing. Like, why do I have economics and Chinese studies? Um, and at that point, I couldn't articulate that, you know, there, there's a lot of analytical work that goes through both of these studies. Mm-hmm. Um 
whether it is data or or just like reading through the between the lines and things yeah. like that. So because I couldn't articulate, it was hard for people to hire me as well. Mm. And so I decided, you know what? Let's let's go back in school and do MBA. Mm. Yeah. But why why Chinese studies then? Um, Chinese studies. Uh, it's not because of Mandarin. Unlike what a lot of people think, mm-hmm. um, there's the historical part. Um, there's also the literature part, which I really enjoy. Uh, my thesis was actually on the uh, Dream of the Red Chamber. It's one of the pre-modern novels, mm-hmm. uh, and I really enjoyed it. There was like five volumes of that, and like you know, analyzing how society was. It's a little bit of sociology, a little bit of anthropology, mm-hmm. um, and because China has such deep Roots and history. Uh, it's interesting to see how you know that that history changed uh, from what it was thousands of years ago, and then when it came to Mao Zedong, you know, mm-hmm. then there's that whole leapfrogging and closing yeah. of economies, and, and how that changed the society. So I I was very interested in that. I've always been interested in like human. Um, She's interested with Northern Asia, Northern Asia, Korea, Japan, Korea, Japan. yeah. Yeah, yeah I've always been interested okay. in that. Yeah, and then uh, that means you eventually go to your MBA. So, yes. what, what what drove that decision? Um, my parents both did MBA, and I've always thought that uh, I I do. By that time, I thought that I was gonna go follow my mother's footstep, not to the T. Mm-hmm. But she was in um, she was in stockbroking. Stockbroking. Yeah. Um, but I I admire my mother a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, how she deals with people, leadership, mm-hmm. um, her mind, how her mind works is amazing. And so I thought that you know um, if I wanted to emulate someone, I probably want to be someone like my mother. And so I thought, okay, probably corporate will would fit me. Um, I I went through economy school and I I really like what I learned. Uh, maybe with an MBA it can you know power up into something even more mm-hmm. and so when I went into MBA initially I started off doing finance um, but I it, it didn't fit to my values a little bit so I decided uh, when I was doing when I was going through all the different courses I decided like oh actually I love strategic management it's so much fun mm-hmm. and I also like human resources so what I did was I switched into human resources and focused on strategic management mm-hmm. and that okay. was yeah that was for your MBA yeah that was my MBA and then before we started you were telling me then you somehow also jumped to Yemen oh yeah I did so <laughs> my parents are not conventional in the sense that they allowed for us to pursue what we want in terms of education and I was in and out of the country since I was 14 when Mm -hmm. I was 14 my sister went to South Africa to do um, Islamic studies Mm -hmm. and I decided then that I didn't want to finish high school I wanted to join her so I actually went to South Africa then but I didn't enjoy it so I came back (laughs) (laughs) finished my high school and then I went to Switzerland right Um, my parents wanted something more for me and one of the things that they wanted is to for me to know Arabic mm-hmm. and so they they sent me to Yemen where my their family friends were and I stayed in a 3,000 year old 
building. Well, not 3,000 years old. I was staying in a city that was 3,000 yeah. years old, Sana'a. And I learned Arabic there for three and a half months. Uh, it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. then I came back. Then yeah, I went to back. Australia. So it, it's always been like back ah, and forth, back and forth. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, in between, did you do any kind of work or any other experiences? Yeah. Uh, Somewhat. When I was in Sydney, I was a translator. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked my ass off for two weeks, and that two weeks allowed for me to um, manage my life for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came back uh, and I was doing my MBA, I did really want to burden my parents. So what I did was I started up my own business. Um, yep. I did scones, ah, and okay. I basically. Uh, not to say paid everything uh, of my life. I, my parents still supported me somewhat, but most of the things I, I did um, through my scones. I sold, like I would do 200 scones a day and then I would study and do my thesis mm. um, at night or vice versa, depends. So you had a basically an entrepreneurial spark also. I suppose. I mean, like, on hindsight, when you think about it, yeah, it's probably that. But at that point of time, I just thought, okay, I don't want to burden my parents. What can I do? Mm. And I had culinary skills. Um, What was the easiest way that I can do things on my own and still, you know, do my studies and and ace it? So that was basically Mm -hmm. my line of thought, and I just just went with it. Mm -hmm. And it was good also because during my MBA, we had to do a lot of, you know, assignments that would need a business and so my business will become that in the assignment mm-hmm. and and it helped me yeah. yeah that was interesting and so for um for your journey you were in europe training and then you went back to kl yeah so you had this great experience in your great experience or no no well back then it wasn't yeah it was school yes yeah, so school, school okay. and in an internship yeah. and yeah. you were shown to do uh, well, in Europe, it, they work very differently from Asia. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you're basically, uh, it's all about efficiency. One person doing a 10% job or five, six percent job. In Asia. Uh, yeah. in, 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 in Europe. Europe. Okay. And you, you, just a quick example would be if you go to Zurich station and there'll be one big ass cafe and uh, it's just a regular cafe where people get the coffee, mm-hmm. they get the sandwiches, everything's, everything's pre done. Yeah. So you just have to queue and get your food. Mm. And when you come to the table, you sit down and you have food. The same waitress would have uh, prepared those drinks for you, or took on your drinks for your order, your sandwiches uh, you, you get yourself. But he would, that same waitress or waiter would clean the floor, uh, give you service, uh, take uh, take your order, what you need, and Clear. also yeah. and also uh, do the cashing for it. So that one waiter does everything and you're talking about zurich so yeah. that's like the main hub and yes. if you yeah. and and you, you're talking about hundreds if not thousands of people go into yeah. that cafe yeah. yeah so and in, when you're in the hotel you're basically one person chilling out for a few hundred yeah um it's all mass production it's not fine but that's what you learn yeah but if you come back to asia uh, or malaysia it's uh it's pretty much a little bit, <laughs> a bit more different. Yeah, no. uh, I'm trying to be nice. How would you describe <laughs> it uh, nicely? Yeah, well. Your jobs are defined and you want to stick to that definition. <laughs> that's one. And your your productivity rate is lo- uh, lower. Well, much lower. Uh, much lower. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that I'm the fastest guy around. I am not. 
but I push. I keep on pushing. Yes. I don't. I don't yeah. stop. Mm-hmm. And and if a normal European will probably uh, serve up to a hundred, and if I can reach eighty or ninety, I'll push to do that. Mm-hmm. And and but that's a struggle for me. Yeah, um, I'm not wired that way, and mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not a natural talent in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I've always been pushing myself through the kitchen. So, so for me, being in the kitchen is a lot of hard work. Yeah. And but for me, what makes me win is I play to my advantages. I play to my mm-hmm. environment, my atmosphere, and I always do that. If not, speed to speed, I will never win. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I work on my advantages. To build my career, build my mm. restaurant profile, my flavor profiling. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And how, how would you compare that vibe back in two thousand eight in Shanghai? What was that like compared from Europe to KL? Well, it was from Europe to KL. So KL, the food scene is what it is. Yeah. That's it was ne- never that great back then. The only known restaurant was Lafitte. Central. And cilantro in two thousand five. Well, back then I didn't know much about cilantro. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, uh, I didn't know much, and it was always Lafitte on the top, very top. Um, so after that, and I tried my very best for one and a half to two years during the opening of Traders KL, and after that, um, reaching a point in in the coffee house doing breakfast, lunch, and dinners buffet style. I didn't feel the food, and and I didn't like the environment, and so I said to the chef, "It's either you move me up to the semi uh, fine dining, or I quit." Mm-hmm. And if your chef treasure you, and yeah, if I'm worth something, he will keep you, right? Yeah. So he said, "Okay, give me give me a while, I'll transfer you," and I continued to push on. And a few months later, he said, "You're going up." My happiest day ever. Mm-hmm. So I moved out. I I pushed forward again, and and I, I, I said to myself, a good, the very best pasta that I can do, I've done it. Mm-hmm. The very best steak that I can do, I might have done it at that point. But is food just that? Mm. And and back then I'm like, I was in a limbo. I've I, I'm pushing really hard. I've tried a lot, but I don't. Think that that's the level I am at. So the day that in two thousand seven or early two thousand eight, we managed. I uh, we flew to Macau, mm-hmm. and I had the opportunity to dine in Joe Robuchon Agalera by chance. I'm like, that is what I'm talking about, <laughs> and 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 I. That's when I came back, quit my job. Flew to Shanghai. Shanghai was an amazing vibe.、Mm. I love the seasons. I love the what what the seasons has to offer. Yeah.、Uh, of obviously,、um, the mentality of a cosmopolitan city is much more diverse, much more um, uh, uh, different from how a KL、uh, yeah. people would、uh, community would think.、Correct. And f- comparing that to Kuching, right? Yeah. So you meet different.、Mm. Uh, societies,、mm-hmm. and when you go to Shanghai, it's it, it's a society that if you're not smart, they'll eat you up. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Sh- Shanghainese in general,、um, it's、uh, they are very business oriented. Yeah. 
So when when the when you come when you are trying to be friends or or talk to the locals, it's either you can give them something or you or not. Mm. And it's it's very direct. You 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 there is no it's a at least in my experience yeah. there, there's not much of that um I don't know. feeling no, it's yeah it's, i mean it's like yeah. human, there's, human, human. there's no soul like soul. pretty much like soul. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much yeah yeah you know there's some places you just you, you know it's you cold go, you, you, it's cold okay. yeah it's, it's cold, cold. You, and you don't feel like you don't feel the it warmth. yeah mm-hmm. you don't feel yeah. the okay. warmth it, you don't feel the in soul. beijing you feel the warmth but mm. as a city i do prefer uh, Shanghai, Shanghai a bit yeah. more, and most of my friends, they're all foreigners. Of course, Lit- yeah. literally, literally from either the Malaysians, Singaporeans, Australians, yeah. Koreans, Koreans, yeah. uh, Dutch, yeah. uh, Danish, yeah. uh, whatever you name it, but not Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, being Malaysian, do you feel that same vibe in Singapore as well? It having like it modernized so fast, and in that process, there is something missing. Yeah, there is something there missing. Is sometimes. And yeah. I think the leapfrogging has actually created a society where, where um, materialistically mm. is very important. Mm. Uh, being someone yeah. is important. Both for Shanghai and Singapore. Hmm? Both for Shanghai and Singapore. Right? Both Shanghai and Singapore. Yeah. But what about the food scene then? How has how that developed from 2008 onwards? Shanghai back then you had a lot of Michelin stars, uh, aff- affiliated restaurants that all the chefs who have worked for Michelin star yeah. opening up restaurants like John George has been there for ages. Yeah. So the scene has been quite interesting, but it has always been by the bun. Yeah. Yeah, so by the time I left, um, it was still that few mm-hmm. and that made it big. Right. Yeah. And the rest was still upper class Chinese food, Japanese food, mm-hmm. and etc. So I didn't think that Shanghai, Shanghai was the best place to go f- to in terms of progressing in mm. cuisine. Yeah. But during that time, before the financial crisis of 2008, I started. I, I mentioned earlier I learned French, hoping I would go to France. Mm. But it turned out I've been sending out CVs as well around yeah. Europe, and I got. Um, Spain and no, I got Netherlands oh, yeah, first. There's what there was only two three star in Netherlands. Mm-hmm. One was the the Libraire, it means the library, and the one the other one was uh, Outslaus. And um, the Libraire was the one that responded, mm. and uh, and they uh, got, gave gave me the job. Oh wow! But 2008, the crisis. Once the crisis hit, they stopped the permit, uh, and had no choice, and I had to look on to other countries who offered me a position and that was ABAC in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And at that time it was a, I was just being a stagiaire yeah. and I went there. Uh, Either way, wrong language. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wrong well, language. What's a romance language? So. <laughs> Could you pick up any Spanish or? Yeah, I, I picked you up went Spanish. went to school there. I went to school. Oh, you I, went to school did, there. I did a bit of uh, English, uh, Spanish courses there as well because I really love the country the mm. people the Spain's amazing amazing yeah. Uh, yeah. if I can call myself I'd love to call myself Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> if for the longest time if there's a place that's home for me it would have been Spain. Barcelona Barcelona Spain. okay yeah. and I always tell her that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I spent a summer in Burgos I did an exchange with the Rotary and yeah amazing country amazing culture people really know how to live you know they really enjoy 
Yeah. And good, great produce. Yes. People are Very easy, go lucky, yeah. and yeah. amazing, amazing. Yeah. Love yeah. it. But then, how come your experience was only six months in uh, Abak? Oh, I was a stagiaire. I, I couldn't afford it. Oh, okay. I couldn't okay. afford being a stagiaire. Well, what does that mean for people? A stagiaire, it's basically a person who, who who goes and learn, and a lot of times is working for free. Okay, and see, and, see. and 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 you know, I'm working. Like, I was it, first month. I lost 10 kilos. Wow. He did. He did. Yeah. I lost 10 kilos in the first okay. month. I was like, no, I'm Asian boy who won't give up. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. You can speak in a different language, but yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm I'm. I, I, I'm gonna prove you yeah. guys that the Asian can do it. <laughs> yeah. So in a in a month, I um, from a, from the poisson, which is the fish section, I was doing the entremetier, the side dishes. I uh, I was take I was put into the Katmandu, which is a cold section. I took over the station because mm -hmm. the CDP back then wanted to go for holiday, mm -hmm. and so. I went in, I took over the station. CDP I, is uh, um, chef, chef de, de party. De party. De party. Okay. So it's a chef of a station. Okay. And I was just stagiaire. I'm not even called me. Mm. I was pulled in to, hold, uh, to handle hold the, the station, yeah. hold the fort. And, and I, I did it. Mm -hmm. um, even uh, uh, Spanish boys who come in, they, they would be under me. And like, wow. I, I was like so happy with that. <laughs> and, and when the CDP came back, um, I don't know, after like... Uh, three weeks or four weeks or so, I requested for me to see another section, mm. which was uh, the Saucier. And it was one of the toughest, toughest section for me back then, because that's where I, we pluck uh, um, game birds mm. from pigeons to ducks to... Pheasants? Pheasants, probably. Mm. I don't quite remember. We, we had a small cubicle mm. with a glass panel and there will be like two boys and like plucking and, and it's it's like you know how you see movies and you have these girls pillow fighting and all the, all the <laughs> yeah, like, it was like that and I was and it's not as it's and, not pretty it's not pretty <laughs> <laughs> you just see two guys plucking the birds uh, yeah and 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 for, for me I, I saw one guy my, my sous chef deboning a pigeon and it took him like three minutes to do one wow and my first pigeon took me 12 minutes. Wow. I'm like, how did I do? 12 <laughs> minutes. Like, yeah, you're not going to survive this. <laughs> and, and I brought it down to seven. Mm -hmm. And then brought it down. I tried really hard to bring it down to six minutes. Mm -hmm. But it's just too hard. And I asked him, how is it? Can you show me again? And even though I tried my best, it was probably like five minutes. And it's like, okay, if you need help, ask the chef de cuisine. Chef de cuisine, basically the head of the kitchen. Okay. It doesn't have to be the Michelin star chef. Yeah. It's just the person running the show mm -hmm. when the head, when the Michelin star chef is not there. So, so I went to him and said to him, I heard the sous chef said you can do it in 45 seconds. <laughs> I'm like, you're, he's bullshitting me. He said, yeah, okay. And this guy who used to work in Alain Ducasse in Plaza Atene, that's like, yeah. Creme de la creme in Paris, you know, one of, yeah. one of the top restaurants. And he said, he gave, he gave him a, a bird, uh, a pigeon, and he took a deboning knife. He said, start the clock, the timer. And it was 45 seconds on the dot. Oh my God. And I'm like, what the dudes? <laughs> and then, and then the, the two Michelin star chef, chef owner came in, or chef patron, he came in, and he walked by and said, what's going on? He said, oh, this, this dude didn't believe I could do it in 45 seconds. And then he laughed. I could do it in 30. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and, then he, and then he laughed and walked away. And yeah. this, 
This was the the Jordi Cruz or no? Jordi Cruz was the chef after my my chef left. Okay, okay. So yeah, Jordi. So I used to work with Xavier Pellicer. Okay. And uh, and he was the guy who said he could do it in thirty seconds. That's crazy. And everyone spoke Spanish only in the kitchen. Spanish or Catalan? Or Catalan? Wow. Okay, so yeah. you had to really adapt and learn. I had to adapt. The last one two months was slightly better. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a few foreigners who came in. One from England. His name was Alan K. Uh, he was a big joke. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was. He is a big joker, but he's mean in the kitchen, man. He's mm. like a machine. He used to work for Gordon Ramsay. Ah, uh, okay. So, so you're talking about twenty hours a day. Yeah, it's one, okay. And they will work so tired, so tirelessly. And you go back, and you know how the English likes to drink tea. Yeah. He would lay down there with a cup of tea on his chest. He fall asleep the next day. He was still there oh without a single trip. Wow, that that's how crazy that it is. is so intense. So yeah, uh, a few in, uh, one Englishman came in, a few Mexicans and uh, a German. A German. So there was some English going on. Was it really? Is this really common for Michelin stars? So the only way to break in is just to work at this level. What is it called again? Stagiaire. Well, you know, if you want to be a stagiaire, stagiaire. Yeah, uh, which is an intern working for yeah. free or coming to just coming from different country and trying to experience a different culture, yeah. different learning curve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you do need to work that numbers. Yeah. In general, in Michelin star restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, now moving forward about 12 years into the industry from 2008, uh, a lot of, um, culinary leaders, who came out and spoke against it mm. and they are trying to work towards four day work week, five day work week, 10 hours a day, etc, etc, etc. But the same leaders who did that went through 18 hours work, mm. work, uh, work shift yeah. a day, six days a week or five days a week. Mm. And, and it would take time for us to move, have, towards, that. move towards that. Because even when me and her and Z spoke about this, it's um, almost impossible financially for us to be able to retain a four-day work week uh, and yeah. and maintain a health, uh, healthy numbers. Healthy like it, numbers. Yeah, just not possible. Black, it's, yeah. it's very difficult. Unless you are going to triple the charges. Yes, correct. Yeah. So yes. if you do that, Will you get people, are people willing to pay? Pay, yes. Yeah, yes, so that's, that's always the, the balance yeah. that you have to figure out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, stagiaries are really interesting because, you know, even like Chai was talking about, oh, I want to go stagiary somewhere. Yeah. So it's not, it's not just like people from, from no, from zero knowledge. Yes. Like yeah, people yeah. still go out. No, and, I still want to do stagiaries. Yeah. You still want, want to do yeah, it? Yeah, he still yeah. wants to do it. Yeah, that makes love. sense. I would still love to travel independent. <laughs> <laughs> Go back yes. to single life. <laughs> yeah. A few months yeah. after that. Keep the ring yeah. in the pocket. Yeah. You know. Look at this. Cooking though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think it makes sense because it's this one few, I think, professions where you have master and apprentice still. And you need to put the hours in. How are you going to debone a bird in 30 seconds otherwise, right? It no just chance. seems like it's just necessary. No chance. Yeah. You, you have two sides of extreme right yeah. now. You have people who uh, who thinks they're going to a CIA, uh, Le Cordon Bleu, uh, and, <laughs> and coming out, you can, they can be sous chef. I literally yeah. wow. yes. meet, meet and talk to people like people this, yes. you know? Yeah. And so annoying. <laughs> and you have kids coming in and like, what? 
work uh, 10 hour, 11 hour and say to you like, um, you're not paying me enough. And he's holding a San Francisco coffee cup <laughs> while talking to me. Mm. And I'm like, wait, okay. you're drinking this every day. other out yeah. day yeah. and you drink like once or twice and that's 12 ringgit, 10, 12 ringgit each time. Yeah. And you you and he and he smokes a tobacco. Um, what do you call that? that? Those old English type of pipes. Yes. Really? Oh, yes, I didn't know that. He does that. that. Okay. And I, I still remember this kid. And, and he and you have this young 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 hippie uh, um, uh, applicants or employees who come to you holding San Francisco coffee, smoking the uh, a, pipe, a, a and pipe. then saying like you know you're not paying enough. Yeah. Uh, like maybe you're yeah. not. You're not dealing with your money, right? Yeah. <laughs> is, is this the younger generation thing? Are we getting older? Or what, what is this? I'm not sure. I think... Honestly, I think it's attitude. You know, attitude. like, you still have a lot of people who are willing to put in the hours. Yeah. And who are passionate about what they do. So, for me, it's really... It boils down to, like, how... Um, how much you want to gain from the experience, right? Hey, listeners. Thanks for listening to part one. Elaborating on some of my favorite themes, I love how Zihan and Chai have been so sure and unapologetic on professing their values and how it defined their decisions and progressed their careers. Despite having traditional values such as family first and balancing time, it still led them to starting a risky F&B venture in one of the most competitive industries, the food industry. They also go against some norms like working as a husband and wife, starting a new business despite having a newborn child. And it almost seems ironic, but their work experience has led them to valuing things like strong work ethics and putting in many hours to make their dreams happen. More importantly, their values came about from a reaction of what they were missing or what they wished they had while growing up. It may have been a combination of conscious and unconscious reactions for the couple, but identifying those internal motivators and knowing what's important to you early on will help you make decisions faster, which is vital to progressing your career. And also finding happiness during those ups and downs of running a business. If you found this episode valuable or interesting, please share it to social media. We will also have links to the transcript and an appendix of terminology in case some of those food terms were foreign to you on entrepreneursofasia.com slash podcasts. Don't worry, many of those terms were new to me, so don't be shy and let us know your feedback there as well. Stay tuned for part two, where we will talk more about working at Michelin star restaurants, why there aren't so many Michelin star restaurants in Asia, food culture, and much more.